This podcast is brought to you by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Exam Prep Program. The TSM NCA Prep Program offers internationally trained lawyers courses taught by practicing lawyers in Canada, expertly designed study guides, exclusive networking opportunities with top Canadian law firms, and employability sessions arming you with all the tools you need in order to hit the ground running in your pursuit to practicing law in Canada. To find out more about the program, you can email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is episode 16 of our National Committee on Accreditation Journey series. Our 16th guest is Noor Akhtar. Noor's legal journey began with an interest in educating people as to their rights while she was studying English literature in her home country of Pakistan. Being raised in a very lively and densely populated city like Lahore gave her an insight and an ability to analyze the societal atrocities and indifferences that she used to study in her English literature classes. It was at that point when Noor decided to go to law school in the hopes of bridging the gap between what she saw was a societal power imbalance. Noor attended the University of London in the UK to pursue her passion to help restore societal justice in her home country. Noor has recently completed her bar exams and was called to the Ontario Bar on September 30th of 2020. Her journey has been a roller coaster ride with loads of twists and turns, which definitely gave her an opportunity to redefine herself as a stronger individual to carry on her mandate in representing people to the best of her abilities. Hi, Noor. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks. Thank you for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Noor, I've done a few of these now, and I'm really excited to learn about your journey um, into Canada. And I always like to start these things by learning a little bit about you and your background. So Mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind getting into where you're from, what inspired Mm -hmm. you to to want mm-hmm. to practice law and sort of how you ended up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically from Pakistan and I, was, I wasn't I was a law student to begin with. I, I was an English literature student uh, and I really enjoyed uh, studying English literature and being a part of a group that, uh, of, of English literature students. We were focusing a lot on what, what goes wrong in the society, what has always gone wrong in the society and how uh, how we have uh, how the society has coped up with all all the wrongs and you know ju- justified with whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like uh, that 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 made me very much into like I started researching more about um, about 
you know, about the laws in general and about how those laws are breached. And I found out that being in Pakistan, majority of the people don't even know what their rights are. Mm. And that kind of like uh, gave me a, uh, g- gave me this thing that, I, you know, I should do something because I'm educated and maybe I can help someone who, who is still struggling and who, who doesn't even know what their rights are to begin with. What are they going to fight for? So that basically led me to go to law school. And for law school, I went to uh, London, UK. Mm-hmm. And it was a three-year law degree over there. I did that. And at that point of time, Canada was not in the picture. I mm-hmm. went back to Pakistan and I practiced there for about a year. And then we, my family, basically, we got our immigration and we decided, my family decided to move to Canada. And that's how I ended up coming to Canada. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I, I researched and I got to know that I have to do NCAs. And then it's it's the entire bar uh, procedure that I need to go through and then I will get my license to practice law so it took me three about three years to uh, to get my license and uh, it's like you know uh, during those three years it felt like that you know I've, I've kind of like lost my identity being like recognized mm. as a lawyer in two jurisdictions all of mm-hmm. a sudden now I'm in a country where I'm not a lawyer Mm-hmm. And um, although I was pretty young when I had started studying law, and like it's 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 been about like ten years that I have been in in this field, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, it's like somebody just snatching away your title from you. So, and I know that's the struggle for every immigrant who comes here. Like that's that's the part of the journey that we all have to go through. Um, but it's a good journey. It teaches you a lot of resilience. It, it, it teaches you about your passion. If you're really passionate about it, you will do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so for NCAs, I uh, when I I just I wouldn't mind actually, Nora. Yeah, we, we will definitely get into that um, yeah. <laughs> because it, it's really useful for everybody to know. But I was curious about um, your trip to London um, to study mm-hmm. law. So, can you give me an idea of is that a popular route to studying law in Pakistan mm-hmm. or is that was that rare for you to like because you were in London UK mm-hmm. studying your mm-hmm. law degree right which law school did mm-hmm. you go to so I went to University of London and then it, right. it is a popular route because uh, in Pakistan again law comes up to be a almost a five-year uh, degree because you have to have a pre-law degree right uh, so but same, if you want to go here. Yeah, same, same here and if you want to go yeah. through the standard bachelor route it's four years and then law school again like three four years mm-hmm. so it's it takes a lot of time uh but in uk what happens is that if you uh you can uh after your high school in pakistan we mostly do o levels and then a levels mm-hmm. um and in uk as well it's o levels and a levels which is basically grade uh, till grade uh grade 13 Mm -hmm. and after that you uh you can do a three-year law degree so it kind of like you know gives you uh gives you the benefit that you don't have to have a pre-law degree Mm -hmm. and you can directly go go to the law school and and it saves some time so a lot of uh, students from canada as well i've met a lot of people who go to uh, who go through this route and who go go to london and and london also offers university of london also offers international student programs Mm -hmm. so you don't physically need to be in london you can be uh in in whichever country Mm -hmm. and they offer like on so they have like their um so they have online classes as well that's one route and then they have their uh their campuses in various countries i'm not sure about 
Canada, but they do have their campuses yeah. in Pakistan. So, so th- th- there are three, four routes that basically you can you can take. But I think with the new NC NCA policies, you need to go to London physically to attend law school at least for two years. Otherwise, you have to have two years of university education in Canada. Yeah, they've they've kind of the policies yeah. because of COVID. Like it used to be mm-hmm. that you needed yes. two years full time in class study. Um, yes. to mm-hmm. to qualify your law degree or to be accessible by the NCA. But now because of COVID, mm-hmm. on a two-year degree, um, if a student mm-hmm. goes abroad, they can spend one year of the mm-hmm. degree online and then another and year then- in person. Mm-hmm. So there's still that in-person mm-hmm. requirement. Um, but yeah, there you're right. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really interesting, Noor. And I'm, I'm curious... Um, so you got into, you know, coming to Canada, your your family had mm-hmm. sort of put forth a, um, an application to immigrate to Canada. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. part of Canada did you end up in? So basically, I came to uh, Mississauga. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's where, where, I, I, that's where yeah. I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a very, very good city. It's a very lively city and it's closer to Toronto. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, so that's where I came uh, initially and then uh, started looking for for jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I initiated my NCA. Pro- I actually uh, submitted my application while I was in Pakistan. So by mm-hmm. the time I ca- came to Canada, I was already assessed and I was assessed eight subjects. Mm-hmm. So I had already, I came here in April and I had already booked myself for May exams um so yeah i gave i wrote those exams and uh for me because i think i had just done my uh, law degree i think about a year ago or two years ago mm-hmm. so when i read the syllabus it was very much similar to what i had already studied studied with just like you know a little bit of differences here and there um especially with constitution law business law criminal law it, it was literally just the same right. so it felt like revision and it was just the foundations, which was a bit different. Even PR was like, I had not studied PR, like, like PR, PR before, mm. but because, you know, if you're working in a, in a law firm, you know what professional responsibility ethics are, rules right. are. So you do already have like a general idea, like you are a lawyer in another jurisdiction. So laws are pretty much universal. It's just that with, with a little bit of differences. And uh, it's just that if you have good understanding of laws, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really that difficult to tackle NCAs. Mm-hmm. So right. um, uh, job hunt was the real difficult part. Right. Um, yeah. So I, like I, you, mm-hmm. you complete your NCAs, right? And and everybody, mm-hmm. I guess, has, it's I I think it's, I mean, you sound like you have a really good command of the English language. And I would imagine that mm-hmm. that would be part of what some people might find difficult is, mm-hmm. you know, if they're, if they aren't as proficient in English mm-hmm. speaking, then mm-hmm. to write English law exams might be difficult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so really, and it, it you were just about to, and sorry for interrupting, but you were just about to launch into saying that, mm-hmm. um, and it's so important for everybody to know this, that, mm-hmm. you know, completing the NCA exams is step one in a long line of steps that are that are required, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you were going to say the NCA exams, okay, you know, there's something you have to do, they can be challenging, but the real challenge mm-hmm. <laughs> is finding meaningful employment in law after you do that. So how did you go about that? And meaningful employment, that's very important basically because there are a lot of law firms out there. um, Mm. And there are a lot of law firms who would actually offer you positions on voluntary basis. Mm -hmm. But then 
and and it's not a bad idea to volunteer for a couple of months at a law firm but what matters most is that what are you gaining out of that experience uh is it useful or is that law firm just using you to fill in their own blank space which could be just putting you on reception and you know picking up phone calls and that's about it right uh if that's only one part of your entire job it's okay but if it's the only part then it's not okay so it's very important for you to actually you know research about the law firm you're going for an interview or you're dropping your resume off or if you decide to make a cold call because if it if it's if if it's a um if it's a law firm which is not going to give you a meaningful experience then that experience is useless on your resume and, and experience would come which is which comes more more but mm-hmm. when you go for an interview to another law firm and when they start asking you questions related to the practice of law and you're not able to answer them proficiently then that's the problem mm-hmm. so it's very important for you to research where which law firm you're picking for and what is is that it's is that going to be benefit you in the in the longer run or not right so um, do do you um when you're looking like for law firms to either get volunteer experience or work experience mm-hmm. obviously you're looking at what area of law they practice so that's you know it's, so it's got a it's got a jive with mm-hmm. what your interest is but also i'm mm-hmm. curious like there's a lot of internationally trained lawyers out there do you mm-hmm. do you look for um members of your community that are also mm-hmm. practicing law like do you think that's advantageous or um can you just not even afford to do that because you have to ask everybody um or apply to every law firm not just you know because i would imagine there would be some level of comfort mm-hmm. right like let's say mm-hmm. somebody somebody's practicing law in canada for 5 years and they came from mm-hmm. lahore um mm-hmm. you know is that something that you look at or would that mm-hmm. be good or bad how what are your thoughts on that uh that could be very beneficial uh it may or it may not mm. it may because of the reason uh, so a lot of like not just law firms but almost every company in canada works on referral basis mm-hmm. so let's so say if you're from lahore if i'm from lahore and i know a lawyer here who is from lahore there may be mutual connections uh and that might benefit me um in the sense that i might be able to have a conversation with that lawyer and to mm-hmm. learn more about his struggle because if i'm learning about that lawyer's struggle i will get a, a a picture of what my struggle is going to be like because that's the same route that i will be taking as well mm-hmm. the other benefit that can come out of it is as you just mentioned that a lot of people are not that comfortable with english language so that could be one benefit if somebody is from your own community uh you're at least you have a mutual language and that can help you it can help you to an extent for example if you're uh if you want to practice real estate law mm-hmm. uh english language you don't draft a lot there's not a lot of drafting involved in real estate law it's mostly transactional based so somebody from your own community can maybe guide you through or help you through that technical steps of of that area better but of course you do need to their their agree you need to understand agreement of purchase and sale language it comes into play and you need to have a a, a very firm hold of the language mm-hmm. but in that regard it can help you it can also help you uh that you know most of the clients that you will basically get from that uh, uh from that law firm would be uh from your own community and mm-hmm. many uh clients would not uh would would be very much con- comfortable speaking to you in your native language rather than speaking or communicating in english mm-hmm. so that could be another uh benefit out of it i mean uh 
languages like uh, you know if you can speak more than one language it's always a benefit it's an asset it, it's a skill at the end of the day uh, but you do need to have like a command on english language so th there are benefits out of like getting um, get, getting a workplace opportunity within your own community uh, but if you're able to get like uh, a placement uh, with another law firm who's not from the same background as you, it may help you in understanding uh, the culture of another environment. You mm. know? It may just like kind of like give you an opportunity to explore more, to know more, uh, which is always the best idea. So it's always better to keep exploring. Mm. But then at the end of the day, what matters most is that wherever you are working, wherever you have gotten your placement, you're you're learning out of that. You're not just stagnant at one point. You're not just only scanning and printing documents. You're doing more than that. Right. And I think you you touched on something that I think, I, you know, internationally trained lawyers sometimes struggle with thinking that they're, you know, the domestic Canadian lawyers are given advantages or, you know, interviews before them and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Canada is a really multicultural um, mm -hmm country and there's like mm -hmm. you know you you landed in Mississauga and like mm -hmm. that's really multicultural Toronto is hugely multicultural and so Absolutely. a real advantage um, for internationally trained lawyers is that if you're coming to a major city in Canada you're not coming to you know um, a purely domestic community you're coming into um, a real melting pot of all kinds of communities and so if you've got you know proficiency in speaking a certain language and mm -hmm. you understand the cultural norms of you know let's say the the pakistani community in your instance that is an asset to a law firm mm -hmm. because they're always looking at how to reach uh, different demographics or, you know, more climbing mean, the object of the game always in law is client acquisition mm -hmm. and retention. So I think mm -hmm. wherever you come from, if it's Nigeria, if it's, mm -hmm. you know, Spain, I think you, you have something unique to add to, to a lot of law firms in Canada, Thema, you know, the, the continuation of the liberal government. And I think just generally speaking, the federal government in Canada on really emphasizing, um, bringing new and new, more and more new immigrants into Canada to help bolster mm -hmm. the economy means that I think that kind of asset won't go away, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I think mm -hmm. it's really useful that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And also, especially if you if you're practicing litigation, and especially if you're practicing family law, uh, it is very useful if you have like if if you belong from a different culture because you understand the cultural values, yes, especially yeah. when you're drafting like a marriage contract or even if you're drafting divorce proceedings. There could be a clash of cultures, and you know Canadian laws are because in laws there there is never a right or wrong answer. There's never a firm checklist that you need to follow. There could always be alterations, and there are always alterations which mm -hmm. are recognized by the Canadian courts uh, so for instance I did a couple of cases uh, where my clients were Muslims and you know they they wanted they wanted their uh, marriage contracts as well as or or when when it came to a divorce they wanted certain things which become part of a Muslim marriage uh, contract but 
but it's not like but it's something which is not familiar with the Canadian uh, Canadian laws so when I did, did my research I got to know that you know those can be very much implemented implemented within the Canadian laws and courts do recognize those and all of those uh, separate terms of conditions have have gotten recognition within Canadian courts and the judges have actually you know given their verdicts as per the cultural norms of that of, of, of that one uh, of, of those between those two parties that they that the culture they, they belong to mm -hmm. so that's very important and if someone if a lawyer who uh, who does not know what those terms and conditions specifically to Islamic laws are would not be able to it would not be able to help that specific client. Right. So uh, even for law firms, it, it is very much better for them to have like cultural diversity within their own employ employers. Sure. Uh, because at the end of the day, it only enhances their own practice. So mm -hmm. it's not that, uh, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm of the view that law firms within Canada do seek, um, do want to hire on new candidates who can bring some diversity into their law firm because at the end of the day, they are gaining something out of it as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I know when I was shadowing a, uh, mm -hmm. a criminal law lawyer a couple of mm -hmm. years ago, there, you know, in the court system, especially if you are new to it, um, you know, and there were a fair few, you know, first generation or newly landed immigrants who, you know, mm -hmm. through one reason or another, get in trouble with mm -hmm. the law. And it's the mm -hmm. most stressful thing in the world for these people. And um, mm -hmm. I know that you know, my, the lawyer I was um, shadowing was from India originally. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the level of comfort and support mm -hmm. that somebody from, you know, a similar culture and background can, can offer you, because, you know, you're in a new country, you get, you worried that you're being taken advantage of, mm -hmm. you know, so, so I think I saw it firsthand where um, there's real value. And I think it's important for people listening who are internationally trained lawyers, when you're confronted with, Oh, you didn't get your law degree in Canada, and that means you're not going to work on Bay Street or you know any major city in corporate. That doesn't mean you know. I like, mean that's okay. Like not yeah. working on Bay Street is not okay. the end of yeah. the world. <laughs> it's okay if you're not working on Bay Street, especially if, anything, if you want a life. Yeah. Yeah, and if especially if you want a life, I was coming to that. If anything, mm. like the way that you know the Bay Street in Toronto itself, downtown Toronto, is so busy that mm -hmm. from getting to from uh, getting from point A to point B is like a hassle so it's okay if you're working in suburbs at least you get more you're not spending like hours and hours and just like staying on stuck on one road and just trying to move ahead it's, so it's true okay. Yeah, no, I think um, also technology is allowing smaller, like, you know, even mm -hmm. small solo or mid-sized firms mm -hmm. to, to really, in some ways, compete <laughs> because, you know, yes. you, ha you have sophisticated mm -hmm. legal software, you have, mm -hmm. you know, the, all the cap capabilities and the capacity through Zoom. Mm -hmm. Like back in the day, a conference mm -hmm. call with, let's say, a client in China mm -hmm. would be really difficult to do for a solo practice. Mm -hmm. But now yeah, we have passed that age, but now yeah. like even the smallest law firm, a solo law firm has the same technology as a law firm on the Bay Street. They're using more or less the same same uh, softwares to uh, to, you know, to just help expedite our legal process. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 OK if you're not if you don't end up working on a Bay Street law firm. Mm -hmm. um, and also, just uh, I would like to uh, uh, add to the factor that it's not just the level of comfort. It's the most important thing uh, is the level of trust as well. When mm -hmm. your client is from the same culture as you, there's a lot of level of uh, trust that that client will hold on you. And that's very important. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, that's one uh, one other thing. 
So as I've been doing these podcasts, Noor, and, you know, I guess, you know, on Facebook, particularly, there are a lot of questions asked, and, and I end up ask, answering a fair few questions. Um, people come to me now privately, and they mm -hmm. ask me what what can, how do I do this? What can I, mm -hmm. so what is, I was wondering if you could offer a little bit of advice to somebody mm -hmm. who's thinking of either they've just landed in Canada or they're thinking of coming to Canada to practice law. How can they, or how should they prepare mm -hmm. and go about getting the best and the right information? Uh, first of all, they should do their own research. Asking people is a good idea. Uh, but especially, you know, if you let's say if you want to if you want to know about the process of NCAs, mm -hmm. the NCA website has everything on that. Mm -hmm. So if you're asking, let's suppose if somebody is asking me as well, I've gone through the procedure. Yes, I may be able to help them out to kind of like let them know that which is the good, which is a good source of getting notes or getting tutorship and which is not. Mm -hmm. But with the NCA process itself, it's been like two years, two, two or three years that I went to through that process there may be many cha changes and i yeah. may have forgotten the process myself so it's very important to have your own research not to rely on what on the word of mouth every time mm -hmm. rely on your own self rely on your own on skills and research yourself mm -hmm. there uh, then that when it comes to job market again it's very important to research and you need you should know what area of law you want to practice if you don't even know that then you know that's the very basic and starting starting point so know the area of law that you want to practice and also it's it's there is no harm in exploring more opportunities because there could be for instance real estate was very new for me i had never heard of doing real estate law on such a heavy transactional based on mm. back home in pakistan so when i got here at in the beginning, real estate used to seem like a very alien idea to me. But mm -hmm. when I got into it, I really enjoyed it. So it's better to explore as well. Uh, and that's why articling or, you know, law, stu uh, law student opportunities really help you because it gives you an insight to explore. So it's a good idea to ex to work with law firms before getting your license. Many uh, internationally trained lawyers who have work experience from back home, uh, you know, they waive the articling requirement. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to go, go through that route, the article route, because it kind of like gives you an idea as to how things are operated within law firms in Canada. And you can always like studying is one part and it's not the most difficult part. Like you need to just, you need to study past your exams. You will do it eventually. But working is a, uh, working is a totally different and a new story. So it's, it's a good idea to have some experience within the Canadian law firms that would give you an opportunity to explore your own areas of interests as mm -hmm. well. Uh, and then decide what area you want to practice on your own, even if right. you are like, you know, if you want to open your own law firm or if you want to join as an associate, it's very important to have, have a grip on your, uh, on your subject area. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. if you would like to start your own firm, it, it mm -hmm. I think it's imperative that you have some practical experience in Canada practicing law, like to waive or to, you know, a, a exempt or bridge your articling requirement mm -hmm. because you have experience back home might actually serve as a disservice long term mm -hmm. because you don't 
really you're not you know canada the jurisdiction is much different you know like we talked about different co- the softwares yeah. are very different we don't have yeah. these kind of softwares every country does not have these kind of softwares mm. so it's important to have some uh some practice prior to opening your own law firm because i know a few lawyers who did open their own law firms and then they did not know really how to handle things and they ended up yeah. hiring law clerks who then in return took advantage of them because they the lawyers themselves didn't know what's going on wow. so it's it's a very good idea to to gain experience before yeah that that's really good advice and and i think also like you mentioned at the beginning there the nca website it's actually quite good um so you know mm-hmm. if you're there's like a million experts on facebook everybody has the mm-hmm. answer you know um, and everybody it, has their own version of answers yeah, that's why it's that's, important to have your own research <laughs> i know like it, my my <laughs> advice would be to do your research and then yeah. if you do your research and you're unsure of something that you've read or you don't understand it then you can mm-hmm. bring that to other people and say hey can you clarify what does mm-hmm. why do i have to or how do i pay for or how much is mm-hmm. this you know that's fine but just mm-hmm. like i nor i got a but tech. again you know again yeah. you know i would i would advise to if if it's like something which is totally totally nca related the procedure the procedural aspect of it mm-hmm. email the nca admin and they yeah. will be able to guide you better than any other a b or c resource because let's like if even if somebody comes to me yes i would be able to give them a general idea but that may not be the true idea because when yeah. i did my ncs the the bylaws could be different than what they are from now mm-hmm. so just email them and ask them and it saves you time as well it saves the other person time as well and yeah. you know it's and then you at the end of the day you don't have hundreds of different answers and you're not confused yourself as to which way to follow and which way not Yeah. So, so it's get the knowledge from the source. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I mean, you know, theoretically speaking, everybody's a lawyer here, so you have to mm-hmm. if you are and you you're good at what you do, you consult yeah. the source first and then, mm-hmm. you know, you should be able to to figure out mm-hmm. from there. And I've always mm-hmm. heard too, there are some mm-hmm. people who are not in country and they mm-hmm. they've emailed the NCA but they haven't heard for like 2 weeks. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, they do have a phone number and I understand it's mm-hmm. long distance and that's real pain because mm-hmm. you may have to incur fees, but yeah, if you think standard. if you think about it, I mean, if you mm-hmm. write down all your questions you have, you're very quick mm-hmm. to the point. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's worth it. You know, if you have to spend a little bit of money to dial long distance mm-hmm. to get the answers that you need um mm-hmm. and be 100% certain of your path. I think mm-hmm. that's so valuable because then, you know, you can if somebody else has a question, you have the answer, but mm-hmm. also just for yourself, um mm-hmm. you don't have to second guess what what your approach is. Mm-hmm. Right. And also it's very important that you need to distinguish between what kind of questions you're asking NCS and what yeah. kind of questions that you can ask somebody else. For yeah. instance, if you're asking um, the NCA admin as to if you should purchase the set of notes rather than the <laughs> set of notes they, they will not reply you yeah. because they have given you uh, their syllabus they have given you the uh, the names of the books that you need to study uh, so you know they they cannot really help you as to what tutor you should go and what's not that is mm-hmm. something that you need to figure out on your own yeah. and my advice with regards to that would be first to read the material on your own and mm-hmm. decide if you understand it or not if you don't understand it then take help from the tutors uh, if you do then you know that there, there is no need because again like i said earlier as well laws are universal you're already a lawyer you know how to interpret laws mm-hmm. so 
try to do it on your own first. If you're unable to do it, then take external help. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least make that effort. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Yeah, I, I 100%. I mean, and you have to be careful. And that's where maybe you can ask some friends who have done, gone through it or people yeah. you trust. Hopefully, there's somebody that you can trust. Um, and obviously, and that's very important because yeah. everybody out there is a cuter now. <laughs> yeah. I know. Everybody would be like, yes, I am the best, but. I know. So, you need like, to do your own research. For people listening, let's say mm-hmm. if you're looking for people to truth that you can trust who will answer mm-hmm. honestly, maybe Noor is is one of those people. <laughs> and maybe I am sure. uh, as well. <laughs> so we are happy to to <laughs> offer that kind of insight too. But so mm-hmm. Noor, I, I really appreciate your time. And I may be looking to close soon, but I'm I'm interested in now, like where what are you up to like presently? Like, let's say next week, like, are you, are you practicing? Are you, what area of law are you practicing currently? And, and what excites you about looking forward mm-hmm. to the future? Mm-hmm. So I just got called to the bar last week. And at present, I'm working at a law firm in, um, in, uh, in Cambridge. Wow. And I'm practicing uh, real estate law over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in future, in the near future, um, it may, I may add like with real estate, I am because I do have uh, experience in family law and I'm very much interested in doing family law as well. Mm-hmm. So in near near future, that would come in place as well. Business law would come in place as well. So things are on the roll. Uh, right now, ex- exclusively, I'm doing real estate law. Great. Well, that's, it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, the, there's plenty of opportunity for you to grow and to... Um, mm-hmm to have further success. So, you know, obviously I wish you good luck in that. And um, again, thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. And I, uh, I also would like to to take this opportunity to wish good luck to everyone listening to this Mm -hmm. and you got this. Mm -hmm. Everyone can do this. It's not something which is like, you know, which is rocket science. You are lawyers and you got this. Perfect way to end it. Nor. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. And that does it for episode 16 of A Shot of Life. I'd like to thank Noor for taking some time to speak to me and hopefully everybody managed to learn a little bit about her journey. You know, what I'm learning is that everybody's journey, while it is quite different from where you start, being called to that Ontario bar or being welcomed into the British Columbia bar or Alberta, anywhere in Canada, um, we all kind of meet there again. And uh, it was really important for me to learn from her how that happened for her, but also how she managed to find work thereafter, um, how she hustled to get it. And again, I just hope that, you know, the journey that she took um, inspires you if you're considering coming to Canada from a similar background, like like Noor did from Lahore, Pakistan, um, and knowing that it is possible. And again, I'll provide a link to her LinkedIn page so that people can get in touch to ask more questions. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to launching more of these. Until again, we'll talk again.